Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! And of course, that was the lovely voice of Mr. John Luke Shapiro you heard. Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm Russell Hartman. Joining me, as always, are the two compadres, the other two parts of the Three Musketeers, the other two members of the top line, Mr. Kevin Krupe, and of course, John Luke Shapiro. Kevin was recently in the wilderness this weekend. Kevin, how was camping? Oh, I loved it. It's great. Unfortunately, I had to rewatch the game play-by-play, uh, play, but I didn't have to watch any commercials, so it was actually pretty good. It sucks that right I. There. It sucked that you know. I knew the ending. It's like someone spoiled a great movie for me, but I still had to watch it anyway to watch it. But <laughs> it was not a great movie. It was not a great game. There's well, only like two good things. But that's we'll what get I was to gonna that. say. There were some good things. We will get to that. JL, you know what? This needs no intro. You start us off today. You were there. You saw the goal. How was the garden when Kako lit up uh, Mike Smith? Okay, <laughs> so the funny part about. This whole thing was no one expected it, okay? It wasn't blatantly obvious right up until Ryan Strom made the pass behind a defense. Uh, the move was just absolutely dirty. I mean, <laughs> it's just I'm, I'm visualizing it from my seat, and I said, my gosh, this is so good. So, obviously, we know Strom ditches the pass, you know, a little give-and-go coming out of the defensive zone from Archibald shot. And then Kako just came in and the place went ballistic. I mean, it was pure and absolute euphoria because everybody knew who it was. And everyone was just excited, included myself. I was beyond reproach when it comes to just my sanity. <laughs> so I I really, it was, it, was, it was electric. The place was alive. The Rangers were buzzing. The boys were feeling it. But then the next two periods were kind of a dud. So they just looked out of sorts. Panarin was probably the only other player outside of Kako and Lundqvist that were actually pretty good. Uh, everyone else seemed to be a little bit off step. And uh, there was a tweet that went out, I think yesterday, that uh, some of the players had the flu. So that might explain a lot, including Zabanajad. He wasn't exactly his best. 
Uh, so, you know, Connor McDavid dominating as usual. I know uh, Russ and, and, and our guest, uh, who Russ will announce in a minute, uh, they spoke about Connor McDavid and how much of an animal he is. He could have a bad game and still do well. So Yeah, I mean, look, you got to be there for Kako's first ever. That must have been amazing. And the fact that you got to see Connor McDavid, too, who I do discuss with our guest. Oh, he is the YouTuber, Mr. Grav. His real name, Nathan, but he goes by Grav on YouTube. So he has a bunch of hockey videos on YouTube. He's been uploading for about two, three years now, gaining subs. Big guy in the Twitterverse, too. So we had a great interview with him, and I hope you enjoy it when that comes up. But one of the things that, like JL said, we discussed with him was Connor McDavid. Uh, I mean, the guy is, he's must-see TV. And it just kind of stinks that he had to show his brilliance against the New York Rangers. But at the same time, I mean, when you get to see the best player in the world play, you take that opportunity to see the best player in the world play. So, um, Jail, you brought up the flu, that uh, some players are suffering that, including Zibanejad. But I wanted to bring up some things that Zibanejad did that were pretty good, and that is he seemed to be better than Connor during the first period. He was take, he was beating him on the face-offs. He took a puck from him and almost went on a breakaway at one point. So it was really cool to see Zibanejad really stepping on and be like, all right, you know what, everyone says all this about Connor, but I'm here doing this. And also, Artemi Panarin was just a defensive dynamo. for Like, we didn't see a goal, but lifting sticks, hustling on plays, breaking up 2 on O's. Like, good on Artemi Panarin for playing on that other side of the ice, too. Now, Kevin, and we know you saw highlights. You didn't get to see live, but... The last two periods of that game, the Rangers were kind of hemmed in, and it was not a good sight, and it seems like they were just kind of trying to stop the Oilers, and they weren't on their heels. I mean, they weren't on their toes. They were on their heels. Um, Do you think this is more of a sign of what's to come, or is this a hiccup in the Rangers' schedule, and they'll turn it around very soon? Well, we just need to look back that they haven't played in seven days, and then we might see the same exact thing when they go in New Jersey, but that's that's the worst part. But, you know... With these weird schedules, these guys can't get into a flow. The first two games, they were in a flow. Everybody was in a flow. And now you have that off time. You have the time to think. You have to go look back at the game. You start to overthink. And it's just, you know, they came out strong in the first period. It just seemed like their legs didn't get with them. Their bodies were moving, but their legs weren't moving. It's like they weren't in – they were just on their heels the whole night. And it's a typical Henrik Lundqvist game. Plays outstanding. But, you know, it's just the defense wasn't there, and it's just – you know, I don't think we see changes on defense right away. I don't think they're really going to make any huge decisions until after the Devils game because it might just be a fluke of the schedule. But we'll see. It's just it sucks that, you know, they, ha- they have these games all in the tri-state area because then if they had a game at the Oilers, then they could have all this time to recover. Then they could have got some good bonding time. Now they're out on their own. They're living their lives. They probably only have, you know, half practices a day just to keep themselves fresh. But... It's not enough, but we'll see. I mean, it, it, we'll see what happens on Thursday. Well, the, cor- I will be the going on Thursday. schedule really didn't help with their no, effort. No, de- it, de- it definitely didn't. It's they just... were really good on Saturday, and you could just notice there was a little bit of a lack of intensity when it came to the way they played on Saturday. You know, I, they, when they were against Ottawa, they were just, it was, you know, all cylinders firing. You know, it was just something else, and you just didn't see that extra edge that they could normally possess usually. So it, it was, it was, it was just more annoying than anything. And you can't really get on their case too much. You need to see how this team performs when there's a couple of games back to back, or maybe just some games near each other on the schedule. And I think that'll be a really strong determination on how and fo- on how and where this team will go moving forward. 
Well, then they have to get used to these games that are coming back to back again. Now they have the games, two games in three days, two games in four days. Now they're really playing. They're picking it up. We haven't really seen a road trip yet. They played one game in Ottawa and the other two at home. So we don't know who's going to really be affected by it more. Is it going to be the younger guys? Have the veterans got, you know, might have an edge. Like their, their game might be a little uh, off because they're not used to this type of schedule. It's just going to be weird to see who's firing at all cylinders and who's really trying to, you know, keep up with the rest of the pack. Wonky's the word you're looking for, Kevin. Thank you. Wonky is the word. It's a wonky. Thank you. I, I was really trying to think of it in the, wonky. the perfect word. No, it's wonky. Now, it's a wonky situation. Now, you don't want to see things like this. And apparently the Rangers haven't even played their bye week, someone told me. So this is just a wonky part of the schedule. So, I mean, look, three games in like two weeks is just not good. It's, it's not doing the, the right it, – It's I don't know what schedule makers were thinking. It's not the right thing that should be happening with this team. And you know they're chomping at the bit to get back on the ice and prove that they can win games again. And, you know, boys, Thursday, we have the first meeting, official meeting, of Capo Caco and Jack Hughes in the regular season. And, uh, you know, hype is at an all-time high. But, you know, ah, oh, you know, it's it's really something. I, I, I could have sworn all summer Devils fans were telling me, telling us that, you know, that they were so improved and Hughes, Subban, and Gusev greater than Truba, Panarin, Kako, all this, and you don't have a win. Congratulations <laughs> on not having a win. And you know what's even funnier about it? They were up 4-1 to one against the Panthers on Monday. And guess what? It didn't work because the Devils lost six to four. What is going on with the New Jersey Devils? Honestly, we don't really care. Yeah, I was gonna say, do we really care as long as there's no wins on the board? Us until we play them, which is this Thursday. So the worst part about this is, and one of one of mine and Russell's friends even said it. It's like the Oilers are on this winning streak. Someone's gotta beat them. Oh yeah, the Devils are on this losing streak. They have to beat somebody. We don't want that to happen with the Rangers. We don't want to be the Devils' first win because, A, we'll never hear the end of it. And, B, it's just, why lose to the Devils? They're the worst team in the league right now. At least it looks that way. It looks like their coach is going to get fired. Like the, We'll see. It's, will this rivalry revamp and reignite them? Who the, who the hell knows? Who knows? I don't right? know. Do you know? I don't know, but, it, I mean, we'll see. I mean, my hope is that tomorrow night when we're watching the game, that Capocaco gets a Hattie, Jack Hughes still gets no points, and the Devils fall even further. But you know what? You know what would be the most Ranger thing ever? If Jack Hughes scored his first goal against Henrik Lundqvist. And, Jail, we were talking about this before, and you were telling me you're ready to see it happen, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I already anticipate him skating past one of our defensemen and somehow managing to get it in, and it's just going to end up with a, him getting a goal, and then you'll never hear the end of it from Devils fans. Oh, yeah, Jack Hughes finally got a goal. He's tied with Kako now until Kako scores like five. Wishful thinking, yeah, of yeah. course. Wishful thinking, of course, but... uh. Anyway, enough of the New Jersey Devils. We're here to talk about our boys in blue. And one of the biggest topics recently has been, well, for me, I've been seeing on Twitter is, and we've been talking about in our group chat, guys, is the play of Adam Fox. And the, the season's very young, of course. We've only played, like, three, four games here. But uh, Kevin and JL, I mean, both of you, whoever wants to go first here. Um, JL, you saw him in person. So, um, 
What do you think of Adam Fox's play in this young season? I know we focus on a lot of the other rookies. We a lot of talks about Kravtsov, Hedl, when they're going to come up. But I think Adam Fox is kind of not getting talked about as much as he should be. Uh, how have you liked his play from the blue line this early? I, I thought he's been fine. I, I really think he's been a solid addition to the back end. I, you know, people were, com- like I, I said this before, people were complaining about them buying out Kevin Shattenkirk. But Adam Fox has fit in nicely. You know, he he just seems like he fits in well. He may not be lighting it up because then again, he is a defenseman. But at the end of the day, he's been more than proper and more than solid. He's got arguably one of the best skating abilities I've seen a defenseman have in a while. And I'm not trying to over-exaggerate. It's true. He's really good skating on the back end. And his offensive prowess might come a little bit later as he matures. But... I think now he's doing just fine for himself in like a third line role, you know, and I think he'll continue to get better. I, if anyone who thinks that Adam Fox isn't doing anything is clearly not understanding how players work, especially young players. Absolutely. And, you know, I said it before, um, the big kind of topic is with Hedl and Kravtsov and when are they going to make their debuts? And people were speculating when Vladislav Domestikov got traded to Ottawa that it was to make a spot open for one of those two. We're going to start with Kevin here. Um, Kevin, as is the case with Hedl and Kravtsov, there's a lot of hype behind both the guys. You know, Hedl was supposed to be the second-line center going into the year. People already pegged Vitaly for a top-nine role as soon as they knew he was coming over. Um, when do you think we'll kind of see them? And, you know, all the stuff we've been hearing about Kravtsov, kind of maybe attitude issues people are saying, what does he need to do to kind of clean this up? He needs he needs to play hockey. That's the bottom line. I mean, he has to fight for a roster spot, and now there's a roster spot open. I mean, Filipino has been impressive. He's shown, it's like, look, I don't belong in the AHL. I belong in the NHL. Please bring me back up. But Kravtsov, I mean, even with attitude, we've seen plenty of hockey players have attitude, but their skill kind of trumps that which is really bad to say but if you're really good at hockey like a coach will you know have to deal with that but Kratzoff needs to you know put his money where his mouth is man I mean if he's not performing I mean I don't know how many I think he only has an assist I believe in, in, in the NHL I think that was the yeah. game yeah. it's only one assist and I mean it was a secondary assist and I mean like how much stock do you really take into that depends on the play but looking at the stats right now you get scratched you know, he doesn't produce. You know, other guys are playing better than him. I mean, does he deserve to play in the NHL? No. Like, his preseason his preseason looked like he earned it. And then it looks like, oh, short stint, two games at most. And then the Vlad Domestikov trade, it's like, oh, this is great. But now that you're complaining, now that you're not performing, it's just not a good look for the kid. And if he does decide to pull his European clause, I mean, how does that even look at him further? It's just like you're not going to come over to your guaranteed a spot. That's really does not. It really doesn't look good. And how does it make your your fellow players feel? It's like oh, we're in, you don't you don't want to fight the right the rest of us. Did. You don't want to you know take your lumps in the AHL like the rest of us did. And we can't all be Capo Caco. So you know you have to earn it. Adam Fox earned it. You know Capo Caco. I mean, if he didn't play well, do we see him playing on the second line? Probably not. But. You know, Phil Peel didn't uh, didn't earn it. Leah Anderson didn't earn a top six role. They have to fight for it. Kratzov has to fight for it. Jail, I agree with everything Kevin's saying. You need to fight for your spot here. It's the NHL. You're not going to get handed anything. 
Um, what is your opinion on this developing Kravtsov situation? And Heedle's been playing well, so let's highlight the guy as well. He seems to be stepping up down there in the AHL. What is your opinion on both these guys? Well, to touch on Heedle first, because I want to I want to get the positive out of the way. You know, Heedle is pretty much responding to exactly the criticisms that the team addressed to him in training camp. They wanted him to play center. They wanted him to work on his game. They wanted him to turn into a guy that the Rangers can rely down the middle because they have a dearth of wingers now. You know, even though we saw Heedle fit well as a winger last season, we the Rangers clearly see him as a more valuable piece down the middle, and he's showing that so far. And I think and and Ant, you know, our our, our you know quote unquote boss, well he is our boss, um, Mr. Papa Tilt himself even alluded to it a lot on Twitter that the Rangers should call him up soon enough because he's playing superb down in the AHL. You know, he's gotten enough work where he needs to, and now he needs to come back and earn his place back on this team because the Rangers cannot work with Ryan Strom as the number two center. And then I'm not trying to get on Strom's case, but. A guy like Strom needs to be on a lower line. You know, it's just with the skill level that's around him that he's just not working. Now, when it comes to Kratsov, the thing about Kratsov is he, like Kevin said, I agree with everything that he said. You know, pretty much you have to earn it. That's basically it. You have to earn your spot. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. You can cry about not getting enough money uh, like you have in the KHL. If you don't like it, then go to the KHL. You know what? But. He's a valuable asset, and if he need, if that's the one thing he needs to work on, then I'm more than happy to see them try and do that with him. But, yeah, he needs to work on it, his attitude, and he needs to make sure he needs to get his head right because he's a valuable piece in this Rangers future. I mean, he, he's a great player. We've oh, seen it in the preseason. We've watched it in the preseason. It's just, did he not think this wasn't going to happen? I mean, we see Igor Sajorskin, and, like, you know, he's like, I have to earn it. Why don't Absolutely. you take... Why don't you take a page out of your fellow Russians, bro, fellow Russian comrades' book? It it just doesn't make any sense. It's just he knows there's someone in front of him. Well, maybe Kratzel he's, knows maybe someone he's in, in the mindset that he thinks he's entitled because he has that skill, and that seems to be the it's case like, with a lot of highly first, skilled players. I think you were a first round pick, but you know you have to show that you can produce at the level you were producing the KHO. If you want to contribute that way and you want to earn a big payday, you have to you know go through the routine. And look, make no mistake, we all want Vitaly Kravtsov to be successful. We all want him to be that guy we know he can be. And, you know, he's probably a little disappointed. I mean, look, remember, we have to remember Vitaly Kravtsov is a kid still. He's not, he's, he's 18, 19 years old. Guys, if you thought you were coming over, if you thought you were coming over and you were going to be on, in the, on the New York Rangers, playing in New York City, and then you hear you're going to the Wolfpack, yeah, it kind of gets you a little, you know, a little upset. But at the same time, Vitaly, you know, kill it down there, buddy. We're all rooting for you. Dominate the A. You know, just kill it down there. Show that you belong up here, and before you know it, you will be here, man. And, we and, and just to add to your point, you know, if it's a money thing, which I don't think it is, but, you know, he's had a taste of MSG. He was here in the preseason. He sees what he can get offered if he works hard. If I were him, I would be working my butt off just to get the perks that the Rangers would give me alone. And if it really is about the money, you know, bump that salary up to 750k. Everyone works hard for their money. Hockey players shouldn't be an exception. Absolutely. And guys, this is the most year from the three of us this week because now, uh, welcome to our interview with Mr. Nathan Grav Gravity Grav, and I uh, hope you enjoy it. <laughs> 
And now, as promised, we have an interview with someone that is an up-and-coming member of our hockey community on Twitter, on YouTube. We'd love to welcome to the Forever Blue Shirts radio podcast, hockey YouTuber Grav. What's up, Grav? Thanks for joining us, bro. I'm doing pretty well. Happy to be here, by the way. Happy to be here. Yeah, dude, it's great having you on. You know, me and JL and Kevin, we've been watching your videos. Dude, you put out some great content. So before we get into the questions and we start talking hockey, introduce yourself to our listeners that might not know you or not, might not watch your videos. Uh, what got you into the game? Who's your team? And what uh, helped you make the YouTube channel? So I made my YouTube channel back in 2017. I first started making baseball videos, and then I quickly changed over to hockey, which at that time... My baseball was my favorite sport, but at the time it was like a rapidly changing into hockey spear. So I was getting into that. And the Dallas Stars, my first favorite team, I'm from Texas. Um, and that's been that way for about five years now. And I started making the hockey videos kind of as a casual thing, but now it's more of my identity, I would say. And I'm, I'm happy for that because it's something I love doing. Uh, my channel, by the way. At Gravity, G-R-A-V-I-T-E-H. Yes, I don't know. I made it cumbersome on purpose, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly the greatest for audio, but it, you guys can search it up. Just type in Gravity Hockey. I try to put out the best I can. But, yeah, it's a daily thing. It's something that i am been doing for a while, but it's always a process, right? Always, yeah. and we love seeing your videos, so keep uploading, man. The great content. So the first question I got for you today, we are a New York Rangers podcast, so we're starting off with the boys in blue. Um, they're two and one on the season. Uh, they beat the Jets. They beat the Ottawa Senators. They just lost to the Edmonton Oilers the other night. Um, what would you say is the overall state of the New York Rangers right now? How do you see them trending? And this kind of keys into my question for later, but we're going to combine them. Do you think this is a team that can potentially get into a wild card position this year? Now, the Rangers were a team that I saw as just missed in the playoffs in my predictions, but so far they've looked looking pretty amazing. I, yes, they play like three games, and they'll play like six games total in October. The schedule is really weird. Um, but that game versus Edmonton, I think, was it was okay from them. I mean, obviously you got the Capo-Capo goal, which was the highlight of the week. Love to see it. But that game versus Ottawa and, of course, the first game, it was just it was just good to see from New York. You saw everything that you would want. You got Artemi Panarin just fitting in perfectly, just seamlessly, like not not even any worry whatsoever. So Benajad, who yes, in that Edmonton game wasn't fantastic, but he's been great in every other game. And he's been fantastic too. And Capo Caco, you've seen a little bit of worry from him, maybe, but in that for, in that game versus Edmonton, once he scored that goal, it was like he was a different player. He had all the confidence in the world at that point, and it was just different. And New York is one of the teams that. That, again, will take a while to get a good sample size for because they could be a team that does amazingly or could be in the lottery position again. I think a lot of that depends on the defense and goaltending. Some of it has been shaky so far, but I think the offense has it will prove itself and will continue to, pr continue to prove itself because it, it's just that productive. There's been some spots where, yes, you'd like to see more um, <laughs> Rystrom, maybe. <laughs> uh, but once they, once, they, yeah, once they set up, once they set up Heedle and potentially Kratzov. I think that'll be a team that can score goals, and I think that'll be their identity. They might not make the playoffs, but I think they'll be close to it either way. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're hoping for. I mean, two years out the playoffs in New York has been rough, but, I mean, they're building towards something really great here. You know, you would like to see that they're not in the mushy middle anymore. They knew they had to go down on the bottom, and they're building out yeah. there. And I know you were especially high on Kravtsov when I watched your Rangers video in the offseason when you were discussing draft classes and prospects. Um, mm -hmm. When do you think we'll see him in New York? And, you know, he only has one assist in the AHL so far. What do you think his kind of uh, 
gotten like why do you think he's had that slow start kratsov has been one of the most interesting situations because he was a guy that i thought would be a lock for that rangers roster kind of like kako but we saw him sent down before the season started and we didn't really hear too much from him he was also scratched for i think the first game for hartford which was also something that was controversial i think kratsov i don't know if it's um, a personal issue or there's something there but I, I think it's a little bit of a slow start. I don't think it sh- we should be concerned yet. But I feel like Kratsov will be still a top six player in the NHL. Maybe not as lead as we first fought. But again, like some other prospects on New York, maybe give him some time there. guy like Elias Anderson I like to point to where everybody was started at like age 19. He didn't make the NHL. Oh, now he's a bust. But it's not exactly working that way. With New York, they like to develop some prospects there, especially in Hartford. That's a good system. And you have some guys back there like Shishorkin who's working in his game. But also, I think Kratsov will just take a while. It'll, it might be a situation where we think he's NHL ready, but he just takes a little bit while to do that. And I like to point a little bit towards Casey Middlestown in Buffalo. A different situation, yes, but he patiently waited to go up to Buffalo, had that great NCAA season. And his first year in the, in the Buffalo Sabres wasn't all that great. He didn't perform all that great, and it wasn't a productive season for him. But this year, it's changed, and with Buffalo, they're a much different team, and he's been a big reason why they're upcoming. And Kratzow even could have that same effect next year for New York. He might be one of those players, if he does well in the AHL, could be sent up maybe in April for a potential playoff run in New York if they're in the position, but I think Kratzov more than likely is a starter for the opening roster next year. And New York's probably just trying to season him as much as they can. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison, especially since you brought up Middlestat. I mean, when Middlestat joined the Sabres, second line center, they had him in, they thought he was going to yeah. be the dynamo, especially, you know, I'm sure the fact that he had an amazing game, world juniors up there outside contributed to that. The hype was at an all time high and then it just, it wasn't there. So this year, it seems Middlestat has a lot more confidence playing for that Sabres team. Especially, so hopefully yeah. it's the same kind of effect. Um, so, honestly, this is a good leeway because you are a Dallas guy, and the Sabres, you know, kind of toyed with them today. So I'll, while we move, we're going to move on to the rest of the league a little bit here. And uh, what is going on with the Dallas Stars? I mean, I know a lot of people in the preseason, the offseason, you had Pavelski, you had Perry on a team-friendly deal. You know, another year of growth out of Haskin and another, you know, John Klingberg still playing really well. Sagan, Ben, Rajov, all these pieces. What do you think is really the problem here? One win in seven games. Yeah, it's not been the greatest start so far. I wasn't one of those people that predicted him to be a Stanley Cup winner or anything, but not this bad. I don't think anybody expected this start. And I don't think there's one problem with the Dallas Stars that's like, oh, if they fix this, they're going to be a good team. It's a lot of small problems that's added up so far in this start. I think the goaltending has been, uh, it's not been bad. I don't think Bishop or Kudobin have been bad goalies, but compared to last year where both goalies were on their game, that Bishop probably should have won the Vezza Trophy. It's, it's not as good. The defense, Klingberg's take a little bit of a step back, I think, in both ends. It's been rough a little bit watching him. He might not be completely healthy. I see that. But I'm honestly, Miro Heisen has been the guy on that defense so far. And the Vora group is one of the most interesting in the league right now. Because when you look at Dallas, even though they add Pavelski, even though they add uh, Corey Perry, that's, that team is still super dependent on the high-end guys. And when those high-end guys are performing they aren't winning games. We saw that in the 2016-2017 season where the depth fell off, but also the guys like Sagan, Ben took big step backs, and we saw Dallas take a big step back. Thankfully, that year we got Miro Heiskanen, so it was all going to do well. But when you don't have those guys scoring, it isn't going for them. And Ben, Radulov, and Pavelski. Pavelski hasn't fit in whatsoever. He's looked like 
he, he's looking like a guy. He's in his forties right now when he's in his mid thirties, and it's just it's just been a collection of bad luck, non-effort, and just bad play. Dallas, I think, will get out of it eventually, uh, but this start hasn't exactly been promising. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, you have such offensive dynamos, you know, defensemen that love to get the puck up the ice. Uh, what do you think that needs to be the thing to get them turned around here? Is it the coaching? Is it just an effort thing? Yeah, the thing is, I love Jim Montgomery as their coach, but he's made some, I, I wouldn't say it's as bad as John Hines' situation as New Jersey, but I think there's some changing of, not personnel, but changing of mindset in that room. I, I think that from the top end, you got the owner and CEO, Jim Lights, and you got the GM, Jim Nil. If I was to make any change, I would rather change Jim Nil as a GM than Jim Montgomery because I still think Montgomery has a great mind for hockey. He just turned around that team last year when, quite frankly, didn't really have the power to do so. I would keep Montgomery. I, I, he's kind of in the same situation as Hines where I'm like, eh, I still think he's okay. But, again, I think change needs to be made regardless. I, I don't care if it's the coach. I don't care if it's the GM. I don't care if it's the team. There needs to be changes here. Yes, I, I think there's a lot of people that could say it's early sample size and that could affect things. I, I feel like, though, we're starting to get a real feel of this team. And even though you could say it's a bad stretch of the season, I, I think it's more of the identity that they have now, which is pretty much no identity. Yeah, I mean, it's shocking to see from Dallas, from a team that, you know, has been pretty good the past few seasons, so hopefully they do turn it around. And you bring up John Hines and the New Jersey Devils, and almost everyone that listens to this pod is a New York Rangers fan, <laughs> so I'm sure everyone is thrilled at this start that the New Jersey Devils are having. It's amazing. It's amazing. Right? After all summer, all their fans are talking all kinds of nonsense about how Subban's better than Truba and Hughes going better than Kako. Well, you know, it's early, but the returns are not promising. So um, you saw the Panthers come back there. You're wearing your Panthers hat right now. Yeah, um, right now. The Panthers were down 4-1. They won the game 6-4. What is going on in New Jersey? And please, be as angry at them as you want because Rangers fans will sure be happy to hear about this. <laughs> I want to say, so far, I am completely right about the New Jersey Devils. I predicted them to miss the playoffs and to not be a fantastic hockey team. And everybody flamed me. Oh, the New Jersey Devils are a lock for the playoffs. The Metro Division's not all that great, bro. They're the offseason champions. Uh, well, it's not looking that way right now. I'm just saying. The goaltending has been maybe the most interesting part because I think a lot of people expected it to be better than it was last season, which I think is fair, but it's somehow some way been worse in a, in a way. Like, and the New Jersey Devils, fascinatingly, are the offseason champions for the most part. And they, I think I've watched a lot of New Jersey both this year and last year. They are playing worse than they did last year. You know, the year where they got the first overall pick, Jack Hughes, and were <laughs> terrible in everything. They are somehow playing worse. And it, it doesn't come, it hasn't computed with me how they add Jack Hughes, Wayne Simmons, PK Subban, and all those guys, and still somehow are able to be worse. And that's why I think, in specifically John Hines' situation, that might be a situation where it might be need to change. And at this rate, I think Taylor Hall has been such a priority for New Jersey that they might just can John Hines like seven games of the season to make sure there's a turnaround because if there isn't, I think Taylor Hall is gone. I don't think there's any question about that. But the way this team is playing right now, Taylor Hall has been like one of the best players and only players playing well on that team. And it's, it's just not working so far. No, and, you know, you get a guy like even Nikita Gusev is another guy they add. Yeah, I forgot about all the all these pieces, you know, and it's just not working. I think you're right. I think Hines is probably on the hottest seat in the NHL right now. 
So, I mean, you know, as Rangers fans, we couldn't be happier. We couldn't be more thrilled, especially because the Devils and Islanders combined have two wins so far, and the Rangers have only played three games this year and have the same amount of wins. So, I mean, it's looking good in the metro area right now. Now, for you, Grav, you recently went to Boston, and you made a whole video about this wearing a St. Louis Blues jersey trying to get on their skin. How was that experience for you, and how much fun did you have making that video? That was, honestly, editing that, that was the most fun I had editing in, like, a year. That was so fun to do. And it was, honestly, surprising. You see people, like, let's say you pulled a poll out there, like, the worst NHL fan base is Boston's top three. Like, they are 100% top three in a, in a poll. And I obviously went to a Red Sox game in a St. Louis Blues jersey. Yes, I'm kind of a jerk. It just happened that way. I wanted to experiment with it. I'm like, okay, I put up a poll on Twitter. Should I bring my Blues jersey to Boston just to just to crap on everybody there? And it won the poll. I'm like, okay, I might die. I might get stabbed, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. The first day, I was definitely scared to put it on. I didn't put it on the plane. And for the first night, I was like, okay, I'm just not going to do it. The second day comes, we are going on a kind of like a, a duck tour thing in Boston. The famous duck tours there. I decide, okay. I'm going to put it on. I put it on for the rest of the trip, the rest of the vacation, and even going to Chicago for the flight back to Dallas, I had it on. So I was just hell-bent on putting it out there. And it was honestly, I was baffled by the response there because I met like maybe two people that were like, okay, F you, how dare you do this? But like, there were, I met like 10 Blues fans who were like, let's go. I love it. I'm like, all right, I'm not even a blues fan. I'm a start fan. But, you know, I'm a blues, I guess. It was, it was amazing. It was a great experience. And again, that, well, going to Boston, I've never been to a huge city like that in the eastern coast, at least. And it was just a cool experience, to be honest. And wearing the blues fan or wearing the blues jersey, obviously, enhanced it quite a bit. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And for those listeners who want to check out that video, the video is up on Grab's YouTube account. Check it out. It's pretty great stuff. And uh, sticking with the east, since we came back east here, um, we have seen four goal games, three four goal games actually this year, two out East, one from a West guy, uh, you Anthony Manta getting four, you got, uh, David Pasternak getting four and you got James Neal getting four. Um, what do you think is to attribute to kind of the rise in the goal scoring this year and how it seems games are averaging seven goals? And for years, we heard the NHL and guys saying, we need to increase scoring, we need to increase scoring. And this year, I mean, scoring is through the roof. I mean, it's unheard of to have three, four-goal games from guys by week yeah. three. Uh, what do you think is going on in the league? Is it just people are figuring out goalies? Or is it the new rules helping it out? What is going on that just games are so high scoring now? Yeah, we've seen a big trend of scoring in the past five years, I would say. It started back in, like, 2015, where you saw, like, the basically the disappearance of grinders and enforcers. And since then, it's been steadily increasing. We saw it go crazy, I think, in the 2017-20. Actually, no, I think it was last year, um, the 2018-2019 season, where it just exploded, and it was amazing. This year is even higher somehow. I never expected that. I thought it would go down a little bit. But it hasn't. It's kept going, and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I love it. Now, I think the big reason, we haven't seen any change in the goalie equipment or anything. That was one of the big changes for last season, if I believe. But I think the biggest change there, there's been a couple for, like, a couple of small things, like a, the new face-off rules, which I think are interesting. But also, uh, one of the big things is that it does. there's a lot less incentive for a goalie to cover the puck rather than just getting it out and passing it out to defensemen. The reason why is if you uh, cover the puck, 
the team that covers it won't have a line change. And that was one of the biggest things. I'm like, this is not getting talked about, but this is going to be insane in the playoffs, especially when your guys are gassed, your guys are tired, and right off the face off in the offensive zone, they'll have a new change of lines and they'll have all their guys out there. That could be huge. And so far, I think it has been. I don't think it's like directly translating to four goal games, but I think it's helped its cause. And also we've seen just James Neal being a god, which also helps that. (laughs) I mean, look, I when that trade got announced with Neil and Lucic, I was like, okay, it's probably gonna be a wash. I mean, you, you're not, you know, yeah. what you're gonna get. But people forget there's the Connor McDavid effect, and that guy just makes everyone around him better. I mean, look, I I can ice skate. I'm sure I could put up 25 goals as Connor McDavid. I mean, it's that ridiculous. It really is, really something to see with that guy. And um, actually, this is, we're we're doing some great transitions here because all my Ooh. questions are just flowing into each other here. <laughs> So it's you said James Neal, which led me into Connor McDavid, which one of the tweets or some things I've been seeing on Twitter recently is who is the better player or who'd you rather build your team around right now? And of course, you know, this is going between Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid. And you were, you're a big hockey guy, just like us. For me, I just don't see how you pick anyone other than Connor McDavid. I think the speed, I think the shot, the control, just, and this is no disrespect to Sid. I think Sid is obviously going to go down as one of the best players of all time. But I just think the the way McDavid plays, like the speed at which he does things and the like the way he thinks the game is unmatched. And what is your opinion on those two? Now the thing is you could I honestly you could prefer Crosby, you can prefer McDavid. I don't really care. The thing that puts McDavid over the top is that he's like a decade younger. Like if you're gonna build a team, I would rather have the decade plus of McDavid rather than like half a decade of Crosby probably left. Maybe like eight years at the most. I don't know how long I don't know how long Crosby will go, but I know McDavid has a lot more in the tank left him, and still a lot more prime years too. If you're building a team right now from scratch, I'm picking Connor McDavid. Yes, you have Crosby with the great defensive skills, the Stanley Cups, but that's in the past. He's an older player. Connor McDavid. If you build a great team around him, which Edmonton is kind of questionable with, I think you could definitely get something done there. Yeah, he's just, he's unbelievable to watch. And I mean, every time the Oilers are on, he's, it's must-see be, just because of yeah. Connor McDavid. And sticking with the West, you see them more than we do. Another team that seems to have problems this season is the San Jose Sharks. And, you know, I don't think you want 40-year-old Patrick Marlowe being your solution. <laughs> like, as good as Patrick Marlowe is, and there's no disrespect to the guy, he's an amazing player. If a 40-year-old is the reason you got your Sparky, I feel like there's something... Something going on there. Something goes like they need to figure it out. So just like the Stars, what do you think the San Jose Sharks kind of need to figure out in the early going here? The San Jose Sharks, I think, have more excuses than the Dallas Stars, but haven't been playing too much better. They got uh, their first win very recently, which, thank you, (laughs) it was about time. They won versus the Calgary Flames, which was a huge one for them. They won versus Chicago and then Calgary. So, they, I mean, they got on a two-game winning streak. That's better than what Dallas can say at this point. But, I mean, yeah, adding Patrick Marlowe, I don't think it's going to be a long-term solution to them. But adding a guy like that, who was such a pivotal part of that franchise and such a great leader, that is a move that can turn a team around for a season. Not it's not like adding a Connor McDavid, but it's adding a different piece of that team, which I think they needed. Losing Joe Pavelski was such a huge thing, losing their captain, losing their leader. And I add a guy like Patrick Marlowe who can kind of not obviously replace that production, but replace that hole in the locker room, especially. And that's a team that I think needed that. They were kind of had a lack of direction. Logan Couture, who's the captain. I love Couture as a captain, but he didn't exactly seem like a true leader yet. 
And he could definitely use a guy like Patrick Marlowe to lead him in that way. And San Jose, it was just kind of all crumbling from them at that point. Before they signed Marlowe, the goal thing was as bad as ever. The defense, I didn't even want to talk about defensively because it was that bad. And the forward group, you had, you had guys like Meyer, LeBanc, Hurdle, who are all great and pivotal players for that team who basically just disappeared throughout those first three games. And now it's looking better for them. It's looking better. But they got to keep winning. Now they got to get out of that hole. But Patrick Marlowe does help, I think. Of course. And one more question out west before we bring it back east. Uh, the hottest rivalry in the NHL right now is probably not between two teams, but between two people. And that's Matthew Kachuk and Drew Doughty. And this is like must-see stuff going on with them in the media, taking shots at each other in-game, always shoving each other. Um, what Just what are your thoughts on these two guys? Just like It seems like it's really like some old-school-type rivalry with these two, just yeah. constantly with the jabs and constantly trying to one-up each other. What are your thoughts on this budding rivalry between the Calgary Frames young star and the LA Kings older statesman? It's honestly what the NHL needs. It's something like that. And it, I, I'm the biggest Matthew Kachuk fanboy out there. I've loved him ever since he was a prospect. And he's been so important for Calgary. So important for Calgary. And I, I, I'm basically the opposite for Drew Doughty. I don't like the guy. I don't appreciate him as much. But yeah, yeah, he's got those cups. He can brag all he wants. And that's what makes the rivalry so good. It's an old guy versus a young guy. It's a Pacific Division rivalry. It just works. And I didn't really expect that to come. It, it's been a kind of long thing that's been reaching up to this point for like the past couple of years. It's been a slow, slow climb. But this rivalry is one of the better, especially player-to-player rivalries we see. And they're actually like acknowledging the rivalry, which I, is something that I think we need to see more from players is that all the jabbing again, as you said, the constant uh, feud between the two, I, I think that's just so important. And it's, it's just fun. It's just fun. And seeing Drew Doughty top it all off with the overtime winner and basically giving that gesture to the flames crowd. It was the, the cherry on the top. Basically it was amazing. Yeah, it's great. And I mean, look, I'm, I'm on the Matthew Kachuk side too. I love that he's managed to get under this guy's skin. Yeah. I mean, Drew Doughty's got the cups, like you said, the gold medal, like, dude, you're going to let the chicken under your skin. You deserve it, man. You deserve all this kind of media pressure and stuff like that. So it's really great to see. Um, now let's shift back east to New York Rangers. Um, so you did. You were talking prospects during the summer uh, with some of your videos. And obviously the Rangers are still rebuilding, even though they're technically calling it a build. But they're rebuilding yeah. still, even with Panarin and, and Truba in the lineup now. Um, who are the guys that you were really excited to see to make the jump to Broadway possibly next season or the season after? Who are the prospects you're really looking at that Rangers fans should be hyped for? Now, I'm going to look at two guys that I think will change that team. Firstly, Igor Shestorkin, who I think was the close to the best goalie prospect. I'm sorry, Rangers fans, but I think Ilya Sorokin was a little bit better. Just just a little bit. But both are fantastic. And Shestorkin could be a guy that changes that franchise. Hopefully he's a guy that, while I do like Alexander Georgiev, I'm not sure he's going to be the guy after Henrik Lundqvist. But I honestly, uh, he, Shestorkin has the potential to be the next starter maybe not as good as hank because hank is a legend he's the king obviously but he has starter potential in the nhl i think it's a good idea for new york to keep him in the ahl maybe for a year or even two because we've seen sam Snoff, who kind of um took a took a straight path to the nhl with the capitals just recently and he's been pretty solid but it might not be the same thing with just jordan i think giving him some time to really develop and really go will be good for new york and hopefully Henrik Lundqvist has the fuel in the tank to give him that time. I think he does. Maybe give him like two years, and then I think Sishorkin can take that spot. But that's a player that I think could change New York and put him not overly top as a playoff team, but even a competitive Stanley Cup contender is having that true goalie. I don't think Henrik Lundqvist is 
uh, Stanley Cup contending goalie that can get them to that spot anymore. But a guy like Shostorkin has the talent to do that. And secondly, Keandre Miller, I think the big defensive prospect there. He's had just an insane couple of years with Wisconsin, the NCAA. He's going to have a big year once again as well. He was a guy that could have potentially made the spot for the Rangers, but I'm glad he didn't make it because I think he needs one more year there. Maybe he plays a bit of the AHL all the time with Hartford, but I think he could make the jump. Like, let's say New York is in a playoff position in April. He could be a guy that kind of the same situation as Kale McCarr comes in right at the playoffs or the, the just before the playoffs and comes in and just dominates there. I think Adam Fox was a guy that has been a little bit disappointing. He hasn't had the greatest impact, but a guy like Keontre Miller could step into the Rangers now and do amazingly. Yeah, Keandre Miller is definitely someone that we're all very, very excited for. But I agree with you that he needed one more year in college just to dominate. Let him get his confidence yeah. going again. Let him dominate and then come up. I think that's a really interesting comparison with Kel McCarr because if Keandre Miller could have an impact like that, I mean, he'll be a fan favorite within a period, which would be amazing. Um, another guy I'd love to key on here is uh, Nils Lundqvist, and he's currently playing the SHL. Um, another really high pick for the Rangers. They got the base of the pick they got from Tampa in the Ryan McDonough trade. Um, another guy, the Rangers fans are really excited to see. What are your thoughts on the defenseman from Sweden? Nils Lundqvist is one of those guys that I didn't really know too much going into the 2018 draft, but he's a guy that's kind of forced me to make all of my info on him. He's a guy that's super fascinating, and I don't think he'll be as good of a guy as Keandre Miller or even Adam Fox, but he's a guy that can be a sturdy, amazing top four guy for New York. A guy that can put it, pretty much do everything, I would say, has a solid offensive creating ability, and as a defenseman, defends well. I mean, he's been playing against pros and men in the SHL and in Sweden leagues for basically two years now, and he's just making making it work out there. I think he's a guy that'll take time. It might He might not come out at like age 20 and be a Kale McCarr, but if you give him until he's, his early 20s, maybe give him some AHL time, he could be a guy that rounds out into an amazing top four defenseman for them. Not a guy that'll be a game breaker by any means, but a guy that'll be very solid. And you look at, a, at, look at New York in the past, they have glue guys. They have all those glue guys, and Nils Lundqvist is a guy that can, that can, yeah, not be flashy. He doesn't need to be an Eric Carlson out there, but we'll get it done every single game. Yeah, I mean, he's playing top pair minutes in one of the best leagues in the world, and he's already got more, almost as many points as he had all of last season, this yeah. season. So he's really developing. He's really developing at a nice pace. Um, another Rangers question, of course. Uh, Mika Zibanejad really broke out last year with 74 points for the Rangers. Um, now this year, he's we see him really like taking off. Like, of course, yeah. he's not going to keep his current 300 plus point pace, obviously. <laughs> but do you think that the Mika Zibanejad breakout was legit last year? And do you think that him and Panarin together will just unlock this next level within him? Yeah, yeah. So Zibanejad won't keep that pace, obviously. <laughs> but Zibanejad has been one of my favorite players in the NHL ever since his Sens days, and that trade I loved for New York ever since day one. Poor Derek Broussard on Ottawa that never really seemed to work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it the perfect fit of Panarin, I thought, was always there. And once they signed him, I knew that was going to be so good. I would have wished that they'd find some way to get Capo Caco on that first line. That would be even better. But that duo, Panarin and Zibinijad, especially on the power play, man, like, it's been amazing. And it's been great hockey to watch, too. I mean, New York doesn't have, like, the best depth in the world. But when you watch that top line, you need to tune in every single time. Because just Panarin doing his work. I think he's a top 10 winger.
playing in the NHL right now. And yes, while he, you could say he's overpaid, for New York, he's invaluable for how much he's raised the offense already. And Rays have been a giant to like the top scorer for like the first three games. It was insane. And I think Zabinijad is a fantastic defensive forward with some great offensive upside. But he was kind of waiting for that elite forward to really boost him up because we saw him get those 70 points, but he wasn't exactly alongside a guy like Artemi Panera. But now that he is, he's elevated to a whole different level. It's kind of the same situation, I would say, to maybe not exactly, but I think it's an elevation where where both players are elevated because of each other. Like a situation in Colorado with Miko Ranson and Nathan McKinnon, where Nathan McKinnon wasn't really this elite center until a guy like Miko Ranson came around and helped him boost up to that level. I think it's the same situation with Panarin and Zabinijad. I refer Panarin way over Ranson, and I think McKinnon is better than Zabinijad. It's a different situation, but I think they elevate the two 100%. And the last question we have for you, this is kind of like, Kind of like two and one, but I'm very interested to see what you have to say here. Um, looking way ahead to 2020 to the draft, um, if you were Jeff Gordon and somehow the Rangers ended up with number one, looking at their organiza- organizational depth on the wings, looking at their organizational depth at center, of course, because we know who it's going to be. It's going to be one of two people at this point. Um, but you're Jeff Gordon. You get number one. You're standing on that stage. Do you pick the center from the Sudbury Wolves or do you pick the winger? from the Ramuski Oceanic. And for those who don't know who I'm referring to, Quinn Byfield from the Sudbury Wolves and Alexi Lafreniere from Ramuski Oceanic. Grav, what do you think? Who is the choice that the Rangers should make if, by some chance, they get lucky and had number one? Now, let me just say, if I'm Jeff Gordon and I get the first overall pick and the second overall pick back-to-back years, I'm running up that stage. Jumping <laughs> up for joy at that point. And it's, it's, a, tr- tr- it's a tough question because I think... If you say right now, if Mika Zibanejad is a number one center on a Stanley Cup final team, I'm not sure, even with Panarin, I'm not sure if he's at that elite top five center level. But Quinton Byfield can be that. I think Lafreniere is the best prospect in the draft. Quinton Byfield is number two. But with New York, they'll ha- if that situation happens, they'll be in such a tight position, kind of like how New Jersey was, because you already have Nico Heischer, who could be a top 10 center in the NHL but you go for that best player available. And, I mean, it hasn't really worked out so well this season, but in the future likely will. That's a situation where I think New York still goes for Alexi Lafreniere. And here's why. If they didn't have Zbigniew, I think they would have a much closer debate about that. But when you have Alexi Lafreniere, who I think is still at a tier of his own potentially in that draft, you go for that guy. Yes, you have Capo Caco on the wing, and he will be amazing. Kratzov on the wing. But just think about Lafreniere, Caco, and Kratzov on that wing. And, that's, and if you keep a guy like Kreider, who knows how well he'll do in five years or something. But that could be one of the best top six winger groups in the NHL, if not the best in like four years or something. But, again, there is that debate. Would you want to have Quinton Byfield and then Mika Zibanejad, which will be one of the best one and two center pairings in the league, too. And that's a speculation. It could go either way, right? You could. It's what you prioritize, though. For me, in a situation like New York, they have so many great prospects already. And yes, it is tempting to go for what you need, but you don't know what you'll need in five years. You don't know what will happen. And I think going for the best player available in Lafreniere would be the best choice for them. I love it. I love it because the debate is going to rage on. And personally, I saw that question for me. I mean, you lay it out that way. Yeah, I can see Lafreniere, but... Man, Byfield's so tantalizing, man. It's Byfield is so good, and that's why it'll be so, it'll be a debate. I don't think Lafreniere is going to be the number one guy, and I think just like last year, everybody thought Jack Hughes is going to run away with it. It's going to be the first overall pick, and he's not going to have any competition. Then Capo Caco comes in, and he's the competition. Absolutely. 
And Quinton Byfield has proved himself as at least a competitor to him, just dominating the OHL, has no business being that good, but he is. And while Lafreniere has been in a god tear in the QMJHL too, you got to give some respect to Byfield. I agree with that. Absolutely. And, our, and I do have one more. One more. We're going to hold you one more. Um, so uh, who do you think is a guy, the Rangers, well, think about where they're going to finish in the draft kind of. Who's a guy that you would like to see realistically now? Of course, it probably, might be Byfield Lafreniere or probably not. But who's a guy that you would like to see them add uh, in the 2020 draft that would help them out? Now, realistically, in my predictions, I would have New York around the probably 10 to 15 range. But a guy that I think would be super interesting on the New York Rangers would be Tim Stutzel, the German stud. He's he's a wing, he's a forward, but for the most part, he is a center. And if you want to add a second-line center, potentially, potentially even a first-line center, who can just be dynamic in every single way, he's a guy that I think would be a great add for New York. Yes, I think if you're going first overall, you pick Lafreniere. But in that position, you go a little bit more for need. And I think if you get a guy like Stetzel at 10 or even in that 15 range, that is a steal. For the way he's played in the DEL, dude, he could be in the NHL next year, potentially. And that's a guy that I think New York would be would be pleasantly happy to get. And if you're fixing that center situation, if you think Lias Anderson might not be that, or Filipino might not be that in the future, a guy like Tim Stutzel would be amazing. And you could you have a chance to add a German man. Why not? Go for it. Yeah, of course. Grav, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, if you guys want to see him, follow him on Twitter, follow, follow him on YouTube. Uh, Grav, if you want to just give one more quick shout-out how people could follow you online. Mm-hmm. So... If you can follow me on Twitter at Nathan Gravity, G-R-A-V-I-T-H, and on YouTube, the same thing, Gravity. Make sure you subscribe. We're almost at 10K subscribers. That is the goal for the year right now. We're going to get done, boys. But I also want to say one thing. Uh, the New York Rangers have been awesome, and I would love to watch them. They're my, one of my favorite teams in the NHL right now, and they've been just doing great work. So I must say right now, let's go, Rangers. <laughs> Guys, uh, that was a great interview. It was really nice talking to Grav, and a big thanks to him one more time because, you know, we don't always go around the NHL, but it's nice to talk to guys once in a while where we can talk about all of the topics. And I know you guys want to hear about the Rangers, as much as we love talking about them, but it's cool to go around the league sometimes. And thank you for Grav for taking the time to talk to us about the rest of the NHL. Uh, Next week, we'll be back, as always, on Wednesday, and we'll have a lot more Rangers to talk to you about because in that time, they will have played the New Jersey Devils, the Washington Capitals, the Vancouver Canucks, and the Arizona Coyotes. So it goes from four games in three weeks to about four games in roughly five days. So let's see how that goes. Exciting to see more Rangers hockey soon. And as always, boys, thank you for joining me. And let's go Rangers.
Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called, Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called, Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up. Business with personality. That's the idea that launched London's business newspaper, City AM, 15 years ago. And it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast, The City View, where you'll find me, City AM editor Christian May, interviewing the most well-known, influential and colourful figures from business, politics and finance. The City View from City AM with a new episode every morning. It's the perfect start to your working day.